I added one more podcast to the giant podcast bin. Now you have plucked that podcast out and started listening. I took my microphone and found some human folk. Then I recorded all the noises while we spoke. My name is Adam Buxton. I'm a man. I want you to enjoy this. That's the plan. Hey, how are you doing, podcats? Adam Buxton here. I'm reporting to you from the edge of a muddy field in Norfolk County, east of England, UK, towards the very end of October 2023. Quite a cold morning, cloudy with a bit of sun. Clocks went back yesterday. Very much enjoyed that extra hour in bed. And this morning, got up an hour earlier, so feeling quite virtuous. That's the upside of this time of year. The downside, of course, is that we are plunged into a twilight world of wintry gloom. Anyway, it's all right for the moment. You can hear the rush hour traffic over on the A11 outside Norwich in the distance. And my best dog friend, Rosie, is loping along beside me in her orange harness, having been fairly reluctant to come with me in the morning. But now she's out. She seems fairly perky. So that's where I'm at. I'm going to tell you about this week's podcast very shortly. But before I do, I want to prevail upon your generosity once again, very briefly. Previous podcast guest, Lorna Tucker, from episode 191, in which she talked to me about her Vivian Westwood documentary and about her homelessness documentary, Someone's Daughter, Someone's Son, which features some of her own experiences of living on the streets when she was a teenager for nearly two years. Rosie, we're going to go this way. Come on. I said a few weeks ago on the podcast that Lorna and the documentary's producers have been trying to raise funds to get the film a distribution deal. They have nearly reached their target on Kickstarter. They have a few more days to go. There's a link in the description. If you haven't done so already and if you are able to make a donation... It would be hugely appreciated as part of an effort to bring this film to as wide an audience as possible and keep the conversation surrounding what can be done about homelessness alive, especially, you know, at a time when there are so many other very important issues struggling for prominence. Thank you very much. But right now, let me tell you about podcast number 211. This one features a properly rambling and uh, frequently laughter-filled conversation with British actor, comedian and returning podcast guest Guz Khan, or Guz Khan as he's known further up north, but I call him Guz. Guz Facts Born in 1986 Ghulam Dusgir Khan grew up with his Pakistani Punjabi Muslim family in Coventry in the West Midlands of England where he still lives with his wife and children After some waywardness in his teenage years, Guz studied criminology at the University of Coventry before getting a job as a teacher. But after a few years, concerned that things might be getting a little bit too sensible in his life, he started posting short videos featuring his character Mo Bean around 2015. 
When several Mo Bean videos went viral, Guz came to the attention of TV comedy producers in the UK. And just a couple of years later, in 2017, the first series of Man Like Mo Bean, written by Guz and Andy Milligan, aired on BBC Three. The show featured Mo Bean living in Small Heath, Birmingham, doing his best to be an upstanding member of the community and look after his younger sister while trying to escape a criminal past. A fourth series of Man Like Mo Bean aired earlier this year, 2023. In the meantime, Guz has been increasingly in demand as an actor. In productions that include the Netflix comedy drama Turn Up Charlie with Idris Elba, Sky TV's Curfew with Sean Bean and Billy Zane, Mindy Kaling's miniseries based on Four Weddings and a Funeral, and the pirate comedy series Our Flag Means Death with Taika Waititi and Reese Darby. In addition, Guz has been cultivating his stand-up career. He's touring around the UK telling stories about his life and family. In January and February of next year, 2024, you can find tour dates on his website. There's a link in the description. Today's conversation with Guz was recorded face-to-face in London at the very beginning of this month, 3rd of October, 2023. And we talked about parenting and wanting to share your good fortune with your children but not wanting them to get spoiled, as well as the pressures of being a parent in the modern world and what it must have been like for Guz's own mother when he was growing up. Mmm. There's an alley. We also talked about stand-up and how Guz feels about heckling at comedy gigs, which led us on to talking about gig etiquette in general. In particular, the contentious topic of when it's okay to enjoy a show standing up if there are people around you sitting down. Now, this section of the conversation included a reference to a Hollywood actor who stood up in front of me at a gig recently, and the name of the actor has been left in, but I want to make it clear that that's only because it sort of relates to other things, not because I am in any way trying to shame them, apart from anything else. I'm sure I've done loads of annoying things at gigs without realising. But it was a, a funny part of the conversation, so I thought I'd leave it in. I hope you will take it in the spirit in which it was intended. But the conversation, which, by the way, just so you're aware, does contain quite a lot of strong language, began with us just catching up on how many children we have. Back at the end for information on related links and a bit more waffle. But right now, with Guz Khan. Here we go. How many have you got now? Four. Four. That's right. You were expecting your fourth the last time we met. Is that really true? Yeah. We met in uh, September 2019. 
we met in a different world. That's right, we really did. Pre-Pandy. Pre-Pandy? You make it sound like a enjoyable drug trip. <laughs> Pre- Pre-Pandy and then post-Pandy, your shakas is open. You're seeing the world in a different way. And maybe that's a little bit what happened. Yeah, yeah. Pre-Pandy would also be a good name for a rapper. It would work. A mumble, like a shit one. Yeah, Like a yeah. mumble rapper. Pre-Pandy, baby. Like that. What's the definition of a mumble rapper? Someone is just, I think someone is a bit shit. Like, but then I sound like an uncle because it's a generational thing. This is what happened pre-Pandy, post-Pandy. Should I tell you what happened to me, bro? Yeah, man. Last time I spoke to you, I was pre-uncle. Now I'm full uncle. Define uncle. Okay, let me, um, <laughs> let me quote the text exchange we had since we last met. Um, so this is going back to Pandy Times, central Pandy Times. 15th of November, 2020, Adam Buxton wrote, Hello, guys. Adam Buxton here. I hope you and the family are doing all right. I was enjoying listening to you on James A. Caster's 2016 Albums podcast the other day, which I did. Gave me a good lift. Really good, that. Random thing, I'm podcasting with Paul McCartney on Wednesday and was thinking I might try to gather some questions from funny friends in an effort to ask him stuff he hasn't been asked a million times before. I don't know if you're a fan or not, but let me know if you think of anything that it would be funny to ask him that he might actually respond to. Wishing you well, Adam. And uh, one month later, you replied... (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Brother Bucks, that was very kind of you, considering I'm a cunt. I'm very gassed, mate. (laughs) (laughs) with a uh, sort of hang loose emoji. Adam Buxton replies, that's my kind of text response lag. Cheers, Mr. K, hope you're doing good. To which you replied, I'll be real with you. I didn't really know that, uncle. (laughs) Referring to Paul McCartney. That's that's the first time I'd heard the phrase uncle in that way. And also, how did you get to the age you are and not know who Paul McCartney was? I tell you the truth. <laughs> I tell you the truth. When you sent me that, the first thing that came into my mind is there was a vegetarian pie yeah. that you used to buy from Asda. It was a McCartney pie. Linda McCartney, yeah. That's what I knew. Yeah, she was an early proponent of veggie food. She was very good. Yeah, yeah. There was nothing halal back in the day from Asda. So we would rock up and be like, we'll have them veggie pies. You used to have a terrible stomach afterwards. So when you said Paul McCartney, obviously I used to, I loosely I was like, oh, this is something in the music. Yeah. But you had texted me and I could tell in the tone of your text message that, oh, this is serious shit, that yeah. you're meeting Uncle McCartney. <laughs> and then so, first of all, I want to apologize about the text lag. I, I'm a very bad person when it comes to text lag. That's okay. I'm too... You probably put the podcast out on air by the time I actually messaged back. I think we did, yeah. I actually listened back to some of our podcasts last time, which was really fun. But at one point I was talking about um, my anxieties as a father and how I worry that I'm just a lousy dad and what kind of a person am I anyway, let alone as someone who's bringing up three human beings. And you were you was sort of amazed by the degree to which I was overthinking the whole thing. You said, listen, mate, if, if they're still alive at the end of the day, then jobs are good. And- are they still alive? I'm glad to say yes, yes. The job is good. Yeah. The job is good. Bro, I, okay, I, I can't lie. Just think about me. Let me not front. Last time we spoke 2019, they're all a significant amount younger mm-hmm. 
What happened a little bit from there is now they're like my daughter is in year eight. This is a little bit different human being. This is a little bit human being who like, you know, you know, when they're not in secondary school, everything's like, oh, you know, like, oh, you little. Now she's in secondary school. I'm like, oh, what's going on there? What's happening here? Yeah. Who, what that person, they're vaping. Oh, don't vape. And then she's like, yeah, but dad, didn't you used to sell drugs? That's what Uncle Ali was saying. I was like, this is different times. <laughs> do you understand what, you understand what I'm saying? So I do, yeah. As much as you were like, oh, you're worried. Now I'm a bit worried. Like, oh, what if she starts vaping? And then vaping is a gateway. And now, mm-hmm. crack. Yeah, welcome to uh, crack. being a parent of a teenage child. Crack. They're not on crack, are they, these days? I mean, what are the big ones for the teenagers of 2023? They do Instagram drugs. That's how I term them. Yeah. So, like, there'll be an MC or, like, someone, like, influency popular, and then they get caught out doing Instagram drugs. They don't even know why they're doing them. Do you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They're doing them because, yeah, I'm sipping that lean. (laughs) (laughs) And you say, what's the lean? Yeah. And they say, it's cough mixture. In large doses. Yes. With Sprite. Too much night nurse. I've never took it. You never take a night nurse? Because I always think if I have, if I'm feeling sick and I have something that's going to make me drowsy, I'm going to die. I think that's where my logic is. Because you already, or you already might die. Remember mid-pandy? People was just KOing from, oh, he's got a cough. Finish. Mm -hmm. Gone away. So I was, it got stuck in my head. I was like, if I get the cough, I better just stay up. How did you handle the whole pandy? I should oh. stop saying pandy. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, why are you going to... I like it. Pandy is something palatable. Yeah, it makes it sound more fun. Yeah, it's something palatable. No, I liked it. I liked, <laughs> <laughs> I liked, it. I liked the pandy. I thought... You have to remember, bro, based on my BMI, I thought I was going to die. Uh-huh. This is real. And then people were like, oh, if you think you're going to die because of your BMI, why don't you lose some of it? And I was like, no, I'll just risk it. <laughs> so, no, but then there's a doctor that said to me, yeah, he said to me, sorry for going on a tangent here. He says to me, he had a 20 stone Irish brother. Mm-hmm. 20 stone, quite, you know, height wise wasn't massive. I think we want to say like five foot five, five foot six. He said, I'll say how he said to me. He said, he came to see me very about his health, very about his long being and how long he's going to be on the planet. I said, tell me. He said, I did his blood pressure. His blood pressure was 126 over 72. He said, I had somebody from a South Asian community come here. Nice muscle. Very strong, very power. <laughs> he said, I did his blood pressure 170 over 126. He said, he was going to die. He was going to die. One is in a shape, one is a fat. That's what he said. One is in shape, one is a fat. Genetics is everything. So I thought, Adam, after the conversation, even if I get in shape, I'm still going to die anyway. What's uh-huh. the point? Do you get what I'm saying? <laughs> I do. <laughs> Were you genuinely worried in those days? Yeah. Also, let me explain another reason why I was worried. Mm. Because my dad died when he was 36. Yes. What did he die of? Heart attack. Oh, mate. Cleaned. Bang. Out of the game. Gone. What was his deal then? Like... What was he doing too much of? Or was it just a congenital condition? I think, it's hard to say. Like my other doctor, they're all Asian, by the way. My other doctor said, that's a long time ago he died. Yeah. 
He died a long time ago. Very straight to the point. He said, we don't know what he actually died of, how he died. Okay. He said, did he die straight away? I said, apparently not straight away. He was alive for a bit and then a week later in hospital, bam. He said, bam. I said, bam. He said, oh my God. Then we don't know what it was. <laughs> you understand? He said, I'm not sure. Maybe it was a secondary heart attack they didn't detect. Maybe something, extra blockage. Because he's right, 30... What's that, 30-something years ago was a different time medically, isn't it? Yeah. For things to keep an eye out on. But anyway, I had it in my head during the pandy that I was gonna <laughs> I was gonna die anyway, because if my dad died at 36, your card is marked. Game over. Which it isn't, of course. There's all sorts of, you know, I've said this before, I think, because um it's a reassuring thing to know that even if you are prone to certain conditions yes. because of your genes, mm. that doesn't mean necessarily that they will definitely happen. It's just that you have the potential to develop those conditions. Those switches won't necessarily be flipped. Have you got any? Uh, well, yes. I mean, you end up having most of the things that your parents do. Uh, so high blood pressure and things like that, that my dad had. Oh my God. And I think he had a heart problem at one point, but not a serious one. He ended up getting clobbered by a thing called mesothelioma, which is cancer of the lining of the lung. Oh my God. Often associated with, uh, industrial disease, inhalation of asbestos, which I don't think is what happened to him. It was a bit of a mystery. Anyway, he was, you know, in his 90s by that time. Is it rude me saying that that is a very powerful innings? Not at all. I appreciate some people don't like the whole good innings thing. It doesn't cheer them up necessarily if they're grieving. But it is something I do think, and I can't... Like, I always think that if I get to an age where the kids can legally drive a car, (laughs) all of them, that's good that's good because like as a, as a minimum requirement of your kids to make a little bit maybe some success of themselves they can always do delivery rounds Amazon driving taxis Uber you know, no, you know what I'm saying bro and you could go anywhere in the world and do it I got it stuck in my head if I can get to an age where this youngest strange one can drive <laughs> we're alright How old is the young strange one now? Oh, well, we know. He's four, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's four. And how old is the oldest? She's 12. 12. 12 and four. Shall I tell you something I never said? So I send her to a private school Mm -hmm. in Coventry. Not the rest of them. Because I quite like to talk to my kids. And when I was talking to my kids, the boys, all of them, including four years old, they're quite like... Oh, I don't really like writing. I don't really like reading. I said, what do you like doing? They said, just running. I said, okay, just run. But my daughter said to me very early on, she's like, Dad, I want to do this, 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 and I would like to become this, this, this. And I was like, oh, then if that's what you're going to do, then as your pops and your mom, let's try and do our best to put you in a good educational setting. Not that necessarily I think the private school is any better than the school that's down the road but I suppose it's like a in my head I was always like oh if you ever do well then maybe that would be a good thing for dad to do mm-hmm. do you get what I mean I do like, understand like, but obviously it's so politically fraught isn't it it is an agonising decision and it's one and I'm, cer- I'm certainly conflicted about were you worried about it should I tell you in the most simple terms the way I thought about it mm. I was like this is my daughter I love her she's intelligent 
And then I looked at them three. I'm like, you ain't shit. <laughs> How is this going to play on Twitter, Gus? This is what I, this is what I thought. This is, what I, this is as... as that's as complicated as it was for me. <laughs> I don't mean as people. I just meant education. Oh, yeah. Maybe a little bit as people. I appreciate edu- you're joking. And um, yeah, but are you worried about your other children one day saying like, how come our sister got that no. education? No. Should, bro, should I tell you why I don't worry about it? Yeah. Because I think like it's the chat. So everybody in our house gets to talk a lot. Mm-hmm. And we grew up in a, I suppose, a time where... You could chat to your elders, but then it got to a certain point where they say, there's too much chat. Finish the chat now. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. So you got to a certain level where you couldn't really ask questions. Or they just did their thing. They was busy. And on reflection, you so busy working, putting food on the table, moms, dads, aunties, uncles and stuff, that sometimes that thing's got lost in translation. But for our lot, anything they want to chat about, they can just be like, mom, dad. I don't know why I knocked on the table or the doors are open. But mom, dad, it's on my head mentally probably. Mm-hmm. Can I just grab it for a second? This is how I feel about this. And, this. and I suppose for me, like the older two were used to a very specific kind of life. Mm-hmm. But we grew up, uh, me, Amreen, who's my missus, and the eldest two, in the loft of the house across two mattresses so all four of us would sleep on them two mattresses just in terms of what we were used to and we had a great time it was a lot of fun there was wrestling at night i'd get up leg it iron a shirt put it on run to school just because i'm like oh i better do this because sensible dads just go to work and then they come home right Mm -hmm. in terms of my but now these new two kids i remember i felt weird about it i've been asked to work during the pandy in l.a they were filming in LA and we got to the airport and there's barely anybody there. And the very nice, kind lady on American Airlines behind the till said, you know what? The plane's kind of empty. We're going to bump you all up to, to business class. And the kids are like, what does that mean? And I was like, this is going to be sick. And then we got on a plane and the older two were like, oh, there's a bed. <laughs> Sophia and Ye were like, there is a bed. There is movies, which is movies in, you know, economy class as well, but there's movies that just in my little pod, I can watch it. There was high-fiving. Now, the youngest guy, baby's baby, but the younger guy, Wiggy, Wiggy was like, oh. And I was like, oh, shit. There's a discrepancy between the older two, Wiggy, and going to be the youngest one. And it's true, Box, because what happened is, by the nature of life going better, right? Mm -hmm. By the nature of her going to private school, and then we're still going to a really good school in Cov, in the area that we live. They started taking all these, the youngsters, they're taking it for granted. Do yes, you know what I mean? Yes. They just started taking it for granted. I already, in that mo- I was, you meant to lean back and put your feet up 11 and a half hours to LA from London. I was stressed the whole time. I was like, I fucked up. I was like, I got two kids who are so excited. And then I got another set of kids who were like, yeah, normal. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? And I've seen it as the years have gone on since then, just four years. And now me and my wife sit down all the time, like always got my head in my hands. I'm like, oh, how do we balance this? Because, bro, look where I came from. 
where we'd go on a summer holiday in the boot of a Volvo V70. Eight man in the car, illegally. Police didn't even care. I remember we'd wave at the police on the motorway and they'd go, hello. <laughs> hello. Get, carry on, you know, having fun. And that, <laughs> that, that's how we came up. And then so you're appreciative of, here's a pack of Panini stickers and you're like, oh, thanks, mum. Uh-huh. You've done a big one there. Yeah. Now, <laughs> yeah you, you're happy to laugh. Thanks for 25p, mum. That's a lot of money. Now, Bucks, now... <laughs> when they get on the plane, everyone's like, mm, why aren't we turning left? Yeah, that bin of class looks good. What yeah. I, so what do I do? This is a big, more than comedy, I don't even care about my career. This is a big, what do I do? This is a big problem for me. So I don't know. I think basically what I'm saying is, I don't want to raise pricks. Yeah, that's the bottom line. This is the bottom line. You don't want to raise entitled pricks. Pe- yeah. People who expect that. Luxury should be a kind of amazing treat. Yeah. And once you start expecting that, then you're terrible. Is that it? I think, no, I, bro, I, <laughs> you're not, bro, it is. And then just to one more tag on the end, then that's the fear because who facilitated that? Yeah. Me. That's right. Right? Do they watch reality shows with ultra wealthy families in them having an amazing executive time? I'll be honest with you, no, I'm really lucky they're cool like that. And on another note, what I do still do right now, even with the younger lot, is because we're still in Cov, for example, I was in the barbers yesterday. Both my barbers are Kurdish refugees who came to the UK when they were, I want to say like one of them was 15, one of them was 19. And we've known each other like most of our lives, right? Now, the block in Coventry, Frontline, Han Lane, East is where I grew up and had so much fun. And I always still take them with me. So Ye, who's my eldest son, who was around before all this comedy stuff, oh, things are a bit different now, we can go in first class. His eyes still light up more on the block in the barbers when everyone's talking shit and taking a piss and then he gets involved. His eyes light up more for that than they do for like business class flights, for example, or that other side of life. So I suppose for me, I always try and maintain that balance that they see what life used to be like. My social circles still very much hang around in these places. And it's interesting. If I asked Ye, I asked Ye this. I say, Ye, bro, what would you like to do? So he's, he loves MMA. So it's his thing at the moment. He likes fighting and grappling and he likes the people in MMA. He likes a few fighters who are very stoic and earn millions of dollars, but return to the mountains of Dagestan. <laughs> he's, this, he's like, that's my, that's my heroes there. Yeah. Look, they came to Las Vegas. They took that money and they went back to herd the sheep. Like that's, he thinks that's gangster shit. That's what he enjoys. But basically he intimates to me and says, he's like, oh, if we'd have stayed here in this area of Coventry, mm-hmm. we would be sick. We would, we would still be having 10 times of fun. And I think, okay, maybe I've done some good groundwork there. Because yeah. in my head, I'm always like, life can change. Tomorrow, if I keel over and die, I don't know how things are going to... Obviously, they're not gonna, you don't have to go back there because things are, are good. But you don't, you don't know where life's going to take you, right? Yes. We don't have your parental leaders in your life. Whereas if I ask the younger two, they don't want nothing to do. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Because they've been exposed to like... It's like, oh, dad. And I'm like, yeah. He's very loud. 
And I'm like, oh, fucking this kid's worried about the noise. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, he's like, more noise. Let's break a window. And then the one that's been, who's brought up in the good times, let's call them the good times, he's like, oh, God. <laughs> let's go home and watch TD Bricks on YouTube. I'm like, oh, fuck. I mean, fundamentally, the cliche is, of course, and it's true, that, you know, the foundation has to be solid. Things yeah. have to be right at home and with the people you care about. And that enables the privileges and the luxuries to be enjoyable. If everything is shit, if your relationships have fallen apart, if nothing important means anything, then those things are no fun. 100%. And that's where you end up in succession. <laughs> you know, that's what succession is all about. All these completely damaged people who there's nothing at the core of their lives and they everything is about the superficial trappings of wealth and you know what's crazy though yeah i did watch that show i did quite like it there's one parallel that i do draw between their life it's an emotional thing not no money and but so obviously I, I, I probably said this last time as well like my, my mom raising us as a single mom then became a behemoth of importance mm -hmm. in terms of like morality and gangsterness because she's a tough lady um, spearhead in the community, right? And then when I watched that show and I was like, oh, all these kids essentially are wanting to be crowned by their pops, yes. right? Me and my two older sisters, I, I suppose me, Mills and Shady, that's their nicknames, I suppose we're a little bit waiting for that. And my mum is very much like Logan Roy in terms of, I'm here forever. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So I, I, wonder, I wonder how, if I'm then replicating that with my kids, I do see a little bit in them like, oh. Yeah, who, who does Pops think is, pshkiam, pshkiam, and who does Pops think is, oh. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's weird that we think that. And so, for example, just going back to what we were saying there in terms of like that track to the things I try and do. Every Friday night, if I'm around, even if I'm not, Dino, she'll take the four kids and land at my mom's because we don't live next door anymore. But land at my mom's. That is a at max three bedroom, like terraced house. Just, you know, then niece and nephews will come. Then my sister comes. So every Friday, there's probably about 14 people. And then everybody sleeps. Everybody crashes out in the house. And we want to do that because we just want them to know, look how much fun you can have. 14 man down. People sleeping in the hallway. Nephew sleep on the stairs with a pillow. <laughs> look how much fun you can have. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, so I hope that, what I'm saying is I hope that's the balance. That sounds good, man. That's the dream. I hope. I don't have that in my life. I, I feel like I didn't grow up in that kind of culture. There was the kind of thing you're describing happened at Christmas and that was it. Like everyone gets together at Christmas. That's part of the reason why I liked Christmas it was like, hey, suddenly you're seeing everyone and yeah. everyone's hanging out. The rest of the time, everyone's kind of off in their own corner a lot. And that hurts. I don't like that aspect of... Can, can, I ask, can I ask you a question? Yeah, yeah. If you don't mind. So let's say you had the opportunity, like we can... Revert, and, and people are still around. And you get to go to your mom or your dad's... or Maybe it's an auntie and uncle. I don't know. It is what it is. And everyone lands there and there's all them people and you're having a great time. But if every week you got cussed the fuck out 
<laughs> Which happens to me, by the way. Every single by week. Who? Mom. Okay, okay. Mom, you get turned down. Sometimes Mad Mills, who's my oldest sister, she'll get involved a little bit as well, but then she's like a little bit in the role of a mom because she's 10, 11 years older than yeah. me. You know what I mean? Like, it's respecting. What's your mum cussing you for? Just being a prick, bastard. <laughs> just being a life. <laughs> just, Adam Boxer, just being alive. Walk through the door. And my kids are getting all the good love and like there's one on her shoulders and she's all got osteoporosis and stuff. But anyway, it's fine because they're her grandkids. I walk through the door and then she'll go, oh, fucking this guy, right? It's the energy. Yes. And then continue to list things in front of the whole family about, remember that time police brought you home? Remember that time? Remember that time you was fucking and some auntie told me about it? <laughs> you were shagging. You were shagging Gulam Khan. And she would be saying this, and I'll be there like, oh, and this will honestly happen every week. Would you keep? Go- would you personally keep going back, knowing that how much enjoyment is bringing everyone? <laughs> I mean, I think I would. That's right? it. Doesn't sound too bad. She obviously loves you. She's obviously proud of you. I would imagine. I don't know about all that. I'm sure. Love, I think, 100. percent She must be proud of you. But I don't know because my sisters are really like smart. Like, do you know what I mean? They're really smart. Like, yeah. does your mum watch your TV shows and your movies and stuff? My initiate never told me she watches. <laughs> she, maybe, maybe, maybe. Like, look, for example, I think she would be really impressed if I became Bradley Walsh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if I was Brown Bradley Walsh, were you a handful though? I mean, for her, did you put her through a lot of stress when you were growing up? Yeah, she had a lot on. Three kids, single mom, and in our community at that time, the key question is, just get married again. Why aren't you getting married again? You can bring in a man who can help supplement whatever earnings are outstanding. She's like, forget all that. I'm not here to listen to that. I'm doing this on my wants. Their old man gave me enough of a headache. I'm going to do this single mom style. I think I started really misbehaving like early teens. But she wasn't like... I don't know really, I can, I can gauge like my aunties and my friends' mums and stuff, but she wasn't really like them. She was much more like, is it? Is that what you're up to, yeah? Okay. Let me drop kick you down the stairs. Do you get what I mean? So I was a bit more like, oh shit, I shouldn't be doing that because she's really angry now. But I, I don't know, like... But you never went fully off the rails. Um... Well, there was cops involved, so I yeah, guess Yeah, that's... yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we, we, we did, we, we did... But I was always hanging around with people who were much older than me. Mm-hmm. So... She must have worried about that. I think so. I mean, imagine how you would feel. Yeah, you see. You're 100% right. As I, like... But also, it was, like a, it was a, like a bit of a different... It was a bit of a different time where every... Like, the guys who I grew up with who were up to no good. And even now, my mates who are in trouble... You could still trust them. They were good fellas. They were good, bro. <laughs> Box, I'm telling you now, they was good fellas. Whereas now, if I get asked to come in and talk to my mate's kid, which I did a few weeks ago, he just wants to be bad. Mm-hmm. Do you get what I mean? His MO is, I want to do a madness, brother. I want to do a fucking madness. And I'm like, what's happened? Where's he getting that Where's, from? What's happened here? It could be it's a number of influences. I think, if I'm being honest with you, the things we consume, mm. the music, the the entertainment, I 
I was like, no. And then I asked some of these youngsters box on the block who've got really great mums or a really great dad or a really great nan who's got food ready and there's heating in the house and they just want to be bad. That's never how we were, bro. Mm-hmm. We never went out the house like, yeah, look at me. I'm going to fucking shank your granddad. It, was, it, was, it, was, it wasn't... So, Maybe like, that's not how they feel. Maybe they feel that they are sort of engaging with that forbidden behaviour in the same way that you did. But it always looks more sinister to an older generation, I think. This is a really sensible way that you just put that. Yeah, I suppose the thing is, like, for her, she, maybe she doesn't see how, how crazy some of the new crop is. <laughs> and if she could, she'd be like, oh, you're a little, you're a little, you're little angels. Not that we were, but do you get what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So in her head, when I grew up and stopped doing this, it stopped there, right? And all she has to reference is this bastard. What a naughty boy he was. Mm. Did you ever talk to your mum about what it was like for her to lose her husband? Yeah, I did. I did. She's quite, she's a tough lady in terms of even emotions, so she don't want to be opening up too much and stuff like that. Mm. But yeah, I, I think she found it super tough, but I also see like this lady who's like, if I lost everyone, I've got to still keep going. Do you get what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's a strong, she's got a very strong, she's got a very strong energy, which is life's tough. What am I going to do? Tap out here? Am I going to let it become too much for me? No. I've got to put my bag on, I've got to whack my shoes and I've got to keep going. Which I, w- I wish I had that energy. I don't have that energy. Do you not? No. I'd be crying like a fucking... If I heard something... Oh, Adam Boxing got hit by a bike in central London. <laughs> All his legs shattered. I have my head in my hands like, oh. I'm like, oh. Did he get his vocal cords? No, yeah. Buxton. No, Buxton. The, <laughs> the handlebar clipped his vocal cords. Oh, he just booked a session, studio session. 20 grand, two weeks. I'll be sad. And he's going to have to get another Brompton <laughs> after having two stolen. You understand? I mean, she's tough. She's tough like that. Yeah. So I, I, wish, I wish I had a little bit of that. That's impressive, man. Good for her. Well, long may she reign. mention another message that you sent me more recently oh shit I know it's going to be about yeah what was that message no just just do you want me to quote it say it's going to say say. email from Guz May of this year 2023 and we were talking about let's do another podcast oh yeah and you said yeah I got some shit I want to talk about like I want to quit this thing we do yeah but I want to run it by you this is true this is something I've had since Maybe like a year into this, yeah. Which is like, what am I doing? Hmm. Because what am I, what am I doing? Career-wise, we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, not life, quite like life and stuff. 
kids are great and yeah, this yeah. is great and family. But like career, I'm like, what am I, what am I doing? And I think this is what I want to run by you. I was working in and around people who would say something to me like, oh, I can't stand the way that person's behaving within the work room. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why? And so you've got to remember, I'm around that person too, but I haven't seen it because they're not behaving in that way towards me, uh -huh. right? And I'm like, what do they do? We'll be on set. <laughs> we'll be like, guys, five minutes to set, and then this big conversation starts. They were really rude to this um, person in costume. or this. And I'm like, who said, you saw it with your own eyes? This is really important to me. I'm like, you saw it with your own eyes? But yeah, I saw it. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to say something. And so... Not in the middle of, but when we had time, I was like, oh, bro, can I speak to you? I'm like, bro, and the girl was really upset. I corroborated the story with the person who it happened to, right? And I was like, why, why are you being rude like that for? And they were adamant, like, no, I, I completely didn't. I didn't. I'm like, but, and they were like, who said that? And I was like, well, this person brought it to my attention. And then the person came over and they were like, I didn't say anything. I didn't. Wow. Oh, really? Yeah, they were like, I, I didn't, I didn't, say, and I could see, but I remember, I haven't just done this off, I've run it by them, like, this is what I'm going to say. Mm -hmm. And then the person's like, no, it's fucking, no way, I, I didn't do this, That's, you're lying, you're, you're, you're lying, and now I'm like, now I'm standing there like a dickhead. And then afterwards, they messaged me and they said, oh, just that person's really important, Get, got a position of authority within the set and whatever it is, right? Yeah. Political manoeuvrings in that environment, that high-pressure environment, and do you think that that's peculiar? Is that was that the first time you'd seen that kind of behaviour? So you hadn't seen it in other parts of your life. It, no. It's peculiar to the entertainment to, world. To the entertainment world, right? Uh huh. And I, no, I hadn't. So uh, to go back to that, sorry, if I'm not making sense. Huh. Then late in the afternoon, then they all sit around joking together and like, ah ha ha, and I was like. It really got to her, like, as a, as a, as a person, yeah. this is not my nature, bro. I can't, I can't do You want to be this. straight with people? Yeah, I, I can't, yeah. Like, be straight with people in a, in a night, like, in a nice way, not you're yeah. a dickhead, but, like, in, in a night. And I was, like, it really got to me so much that I just called my missus. I was, like, I just want to walk off this whole set. Like, everything is so, like, everything is so pretend box. Like, it's so performative is a maybe people use that word and then it just started spreading out beyond that and then I suppose what I don't like too much is you know if if someone's got a problem with you and they come to me and say oh that fucking Adam Buxton mm -hmm. yeah yeah always walking his dog doing jingles yeah <laughs> that guy he's like this from what I know of you you've always been beautiful with me I will never be like mm, is it tell me more about that Adam Buxton my first thing would be like if that's how you feel bro you should say it to Adam Buxton Right, and I suppose this this game and this industry that I'm in, it started having this pull on me where I'm like, I have a choice. I don't have to do this. I don't have to go out on stage and tell jokes or write man like Mobin or do an acting job. I don't, there's loads of other things I could do in life, bro. Like so many things, life is left undiscovered and untouched. I'm not so important that I'm like I was born <laughs> to perform <laughs> to the people. Of the world. No, don't be so fucking stupid. I could I could have been could have been a manager, area manager, Asda, whatever it might be. And I was just like, it's so not in, like it made me feel a bit sick. It's so mm. in tune with not who I am as a person. Maybe I should maybe I've done my bit. I don't have to be surrounded by this energy. And it just can in a weird way, it just that just gets worse the higher the stakes are. Yeah. The bigger the budget is, the bigger the names are. 
Well, I, we've seen, obviously, recently, we're recording this in October 2023. Russell Brand has been in the news recently. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I saw all that. And we are often made aware around those kinds of stories about what is tolerated when it comes to important people, important in quotes, important to the TV industry. Because, I mean, the entertainment industry is so weird because it is all about these very ephemeral qualities of personality and they are the foundation of your business. So you get an interesting, sparky personality and people want to go and see a movie with that personality in it or watch a TV show with them in it and suddenly they're getting away with all sorts of things and people aren't challenging them on bits of bad behaviour that may be trivial and just a bit rude, yeah. ranging from that kind of thing to something way more serious. Mm. I mean, I've never seen anything really awful happen in that way, but I've certainly seen behaviour on set where you would... I mean, I've done so little <laughs> of that kind of stuff. <laughs> no, but, don't say it! But the times when I have been on sets, I've seen people just lose their shit and, and yell at people couple of times and i just thought what the fuck is that and everyone's just so shocked that everyone is standing there and embarrassed i was sort of wanting to laugh because it seemed ridiculous to me but if i was the focus of that person's rage i wouldn't be laughing i would be humiliated and upset and it was kind of upsetting because i obviously i felt like well it's not very nice to see that person being yelled at Mm. it's going to be humiliating for them So it's a really unpleasant thing to witness, especially as it's so unimportant what you're doing. Thank you, bro. This is why I want to... Look, you said it at the beginning of the process. We only met in person once. But this is why I said I wanted to run it by you because I sense the energy of exactly what you just said, which I think would holistically improve this entire framework that we work in, is if people understood what you just said. Say it for me one more time, bro. What did you just say? You just said it's just not... In the scheme of things, it's not important. I think people become deranged by the pressure, the pressure to succeed, the pressure to make money for the people that are paying your wages, the pressure to be a hit, the pressure to get ahead, to be a success, to have status, all these things which people feel in all aspects of life, but in the entertainment industry are so exaggerated. Yeah. And uh, it becomes a kind of madness. And this, and so, bro, this is, I was just, it's still with me right now, hopefully you can see it in my face. Mm. I was still like, uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's my deficiency, because I've always been in trouble for this. Mm. People at school, no matter what it is, if I'm there and I'm seeing, I'm seeing, I'm seeing, you let, you let it go for a minute, you're like, and then you're like, but sir, yeah. get out! <laughs> get <laughs> Girl, I'm fucking Khan. Get out of my classroom. Since, <laughs> since, since day one, it's been like that. Well, it's know. good, man. I, the world needs people like you, I think, that, that will call out, that will call things out and also will be happy to have the conversation if you've seen it wrong and if you've misinterpreted it. 100%. But Did, to call it out, I, to, to not say anything. And look, I'm saying all this as if I'm the kind of person that would also call it out. I don't know if I would. Maybe I'm the kind of person who would just sit there and feel embarrassed and like I I mentioned being on set when this guy was freaking out one time and losing his temper in front of the rest of the crew I didn't say anything probably what I should have done and I think it probably crossed my mind was to say hey hey 
it's not necessary to shout, is it? Why, why, why is there shouting? Like, it's fine. Let's calm everything down. I suppose I felt like to be that person was above my status in that moment. It wasn't my place to be that person. That's but of course, of course it is. It should always be. If you think that you're seeing something happening that isn't right, then yeah, you should say something. And you can always be told you were wrong. That's a big thing. You're going to get stuff wrong. Yeah. I'm going to see it the wrong way. So it's never been worse than that. You've never seen anything really heinous. Oh, no, no, no. no. And, and again, bro, I would assume like a lot of people like someone will say something about this and I never see it. Like, I, But I met that person same day. Oh, that person's cool. Like nothing, nothing heinous, 100%. How do you feel now then? Do you feel like, because presumably you are still getting the occasional offer. And uh, for you're, sure, yeah. So and, I work, and I work with bro, and I, not to be weird about, it, I work with great people, wonderful sets, lovely black. It's it's, it's beautiful, mm. but I think I just suppose in my head I'm like, you know when you can make a choice not to be, like for me, I think this was like, oh, Gus, what an incredible journey <laughs> <laughs> from Coventry, and you're up to that, and then you became a teacher, and then you stumbled into the. I'm like, yes, yeah, cool. But like, it's not going to define who I am as a as a human being to the point where I'm like, I couldn't, I can't leave it, I can't start. I'll be like, no, we find something else. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. So I can, I feel like, what I, I suppose what I definitely know is I'm not going to be doing this for a long, long, long time. Yeah, yeah. I need to do something else, box. You need to be texting me, asking me more about Brother McCartney's, and saying, yo, this, and then I go off on a time. I'm like, oh, I find out about that. Like, I just, I suppose what I'm saying is. Maybe even after all these years doing this stuff, it still feels so alien to me mm-hmm. that I'll never really be comfortable in it. And then as a result, whenever my time is to be like, I'm out, see you later, baby, no more social media, I'll be happy to do it. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, yeah. What would you do? Do you ever imagine what life would be like if you weren't acting? And I don't know. It could be anything. I want to be a paramedic. I know that sounds crazy. But if I came, if you were having a heart attack, and Mobian came through the door, I think it would give you an extra level of either concern or like, oh, better stay alive, eh? Mobian's it. Maybe that's because you want to save your father, Gus. <laughs> yes, it's deep. I don't know anything. Any, what I'm saying You'd be is, a great paramedic. I think I would be a fun paramedic. Yeah, man. You're going out on tour. I am, bro. Stand-up. Bit of stand-up stuff. That's a very nurturing and supportive environment. <laughs> the stand-up world. What are you like in the green room of a mixed-bill stand-up show? Are you one of the more stressy people or are you easygoing? Do you like that environment? 
I never do it, Box. I barely do it. I, the last time I've been on stage to do stand-up comedy was, I want to say, January this year. What are we in now? October. We're in October. I, have, I haven't done it. When we, when we, when we do stand-up, it's usually me, one of my best friends or two of my best friends. My tour manager is he's a great lad, but, you know, was a former naughty lad from Alum Rock in Birmingham. Mm -hmm. So... Even the team, when it comes to stand-up, is really, like, familiar what I'm what I'm used to. Do you know what I mean? They're not like... No one's backstage saying, girls, you're going to smash this. That Netflix special's coming. They're all like, fucking hurry up, man. I'm hungry. Do you know what I mean? That's that's my energy backstage. You have to do 55 minutes. Just do 45. I'm hungry, man. Let's go. <laughs> Let's leave the venue. Fucking hell. No, but there's a thousand people there. Fuck them, man. I'm hungry, man. Let's go. So, my, but it's, that's what it's like backstage. I don't really do... Too many mixed bills. All I all I know is what's really nice from a performing point of view is you're in that room with these incredible people who've come to see you and you get to share a moment. I'm, bro, I'm like, in terms of skill level and learning the craft of stand-up comedy, I'm still, on, I'm still on baby steps. I just like to get out there, grab a mic and see what's going on. And how are you with hecklers? James Acaster, as we speak, has a show called Heckler's Welcome. Can you imagine what... Is that, that what Acast is doing? He's just welcoming them all in? Yeah. The show is called Heckler's Welcome. And so part of the show, as I understand it, I haven't seen it, is that he's sort of exploring in part his relationship with audiences and how sometimes he's got into a bit of an adversarial relationship with people in shows and sort of ended up shouting at people and... You know what's crazy though? Like... The first thing you said to me when he said he's heckler's welcome, I don't know what the fan base is like now, but I think there's a difference in hecklers who come from the local church fate. <laughs> Are you characterising his... Yeah, his audience. Yeah. Audience is yeah. church fate. <laughs> I'm just saying... Church fate audience. <laughs> I'm just saying, what are they going to heckle, man? Like, what, are they, what, are they re what are they really heckling? My son went to see him. My son is a big church fate guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, he catches my boy. But you get... You know what I mean? In my head, that's my prejudice. I'm like... I know. Yeah. But, um, and my son, who I don't think is easily shocked, but he was quite shocked by the level of um, heckling. This was a while back. This was not on the Heckler's Welcome Tour. This was a few years ago. And he said, yeah, it was pretty annoying, people just being massive dickheads and shouting things out. Which, to me, seems very weird because James is a very... I think, I think of him as quite a cerebral... Comedian, it's 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 not like um, very obvious material, very mainstream material. It's sort of, in my mind, it's kind of experimental a lot of the time and quite edgy. How many people who come to watch us perform, any of us? What number of those people are actually there thinking, "He shit, I could do better." You <laughs> <laughs> get what I mean? I think there's a lot of people who come to these shows and be like. Oh, he's fucking shit. I'm so much better. So when it comes to this heckling stuff, I bet you if I sit out there, who's got something to say? Oh, Box, you're going to hear some crazy stuff. I, I, That's never occurred to me that there are people <laughs> thinking that they're better. I just think that if you pay money to go and see someone performing live, you probably like that person. And so I would imagine that the default setting for most of those audience members is not 
your shit. I could do better. It's, it's, I like you. I would like to see you do your thing. And it would be annoying if the show was derailed by some twat who's shouting stuff out. That's how I think of it. That's probably very naive. I suppose someone is just trying to derail. Derail is a very serious word, mm. isn't it? Trains and that. So der- it's almost trying to derail your shit. It's just bad vibes. But then if someone's like... Yeah, if they're being spicy and genuinely funny, then that's great. That's it. But haven't you ever been to a show that has been completely torpedoed by someone who is drunk, who won't shut up, who isn't funny, and they're just disrupting the show? And, and the performer gets rattled. They get into a sort of adversarial dialogue. They try to be funny. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's just a bad vibe all around. I don't, I don't think... I don't think I've been through that we've had fight like there's been fights after gigs <laughs> <laughs> what kind of fights fist fights bro not with you involved no a couple of times but like <laughs> a couple of times once was like once was we I was trying to bounce from the gig quick <laughs> because they're hungry I've always established the boys are hungry eh? yeah so I was trying to bounce and we got to the car and then someone's come out and they're like can we have a picture? Oh, okay. And then her partner's come and gone, what are you taking photos with my girlfriend for? And I'm like, huh? <laughs> so you think, this, <laughs> you think this is something I wanted? And he was fuming. And his mates were with him, so that was... Quite a and it kicked off? Full thumpers, bro. Oh, my God. Man was swinging it out. And what was amazing is after it was 90 seconds and then it all got broken up yeah but good bangs were thrown in 90 seconds 90 seconds look, 90 seconds box in a street fight is quite a long time that's ages all I remember is she stood to the side and was just editing the photo uh. <laughs> <laughs> that's my lasting that's my lasting memory of it yeah that doesn't happen after my gigs too often <laughs> but no hold on box but listen somebody if somebody's trying to is the word accost you mm-hmm Brother, you got sh- you got to punch them. You got a guitar with you. Are <laughs> <laughs> you swing that guitar? No, yeah. I don't have my guitar too often. It would be I'd have to hit them with my um, MacBook Pro. You go, could kill them. Yeah, definitely. You are, you are, bro. That's three to six years. If I catch them on the side with the Pro on the temple with the Pro, <whistles> no, that's serious. I hope it never comes to that. But so far, that hasn't been an issue. My uh, audiences are delightful. That's wonderful to hear. Yeah, it's pretty nice, actually. I'm I'm lucky. Do you ever find yourself having to manage the audience if they're unruly? Did you see the video of the guy at the Adele show in Las Vegas earlier this do? year? No, no, I didn't see what happened. So Adele is playing a show in some big venue in Las Vegas, and it's seated. And there was someone sat quite far back with a selfie stick, And he is filming himself singing along with all the numbers, but very loudly. And he is doing all the moves and he's at the front of a sort of seating block. He's standing up. He's throwing shapes. He is... And you can see on his video, a woman from a few rows back comes up, taps him on the shoulder, and she's obviously saying like, I paid this money to see Adele and all I'm getting is you filming your Instagram video and just screaming your tits off. 
standing up, I can't actually even see her or the video screens. Any chance of you just being a bit more considerate? And so the guy sits down initially, but then he's up again a minute or so later. And then a security guard comes over and says, come on, mate, sit down. Otherwise, we're going to eject you, I think. Then someone yells to Adele. They're trying to make this guy sit down. And she stops the song and she says, no, 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 no. You let the guy stand up. He's fine. Leave him alone. And so it caused a kind of controversy on social media. Are you with the guy or are you with the woman who wants him to sit down and just be a bit more considerate? What is the correct etiquette at a gig? For me, I was not on the side of the guy (laughs) standing up and doing his video. I mean, the solution, of course, would be if they had a bit like on the train, a quiet carriage. You know, you can go on the quiet carriage if you don't want to hear people making phone calls. Yeah, yeah. You just go on the quiet carriage. I suppose for gigs like that, which have seated areas, then you have to have a designated, like, don't stand up area. Because otherwise, I had this the other day. I went to a show and I was in a balcony seated area, you know, like a a second tier kind of thing in a theatre. And I was thinking, I've got a seat. I'm going to sit down for this show. I'm going to be able to see because I'm small, right? So I can see it's just beautiful. And then the other day, I just had a guy standing right in front of me, two songs in. He gets up, starts grooving around, and his partner is there. She's filming everything, and she keeps tapping the screen because someone's told her that if you keep tapping where you want it to focus, it'll focus. All I'm seeing for the rest of the show is tap, 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 focus, 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 focus. You want to MacBook Pro then? (laughs) You want to MacBook Pro then? If I'd had the MacBook Pro, I would have nudged them with it. Courtesy, any bro? Courtesy. Is that the word? Yes. Courtesy. Who did you watch? Uh, it was Pulp. I don't know too much. Yeah. But I could have told you, Bugs. <laughs> <laughs> and people would be vibing out. Yeah, it was a very euphoric show. It was a great show. Well, here's an added level of um, name-droppy detail for you because uh, I had a nice seat thanks to my friend who was involved with the production. And the people sitting in front of me, I think the whole row in front of me was all famous people. Oh. So the guy who was blocking my view was uh, this guy called Fisher Stevens. He's an actor. You would recognize him. He's in succession. Oh. He was standing next to Matt Dillon. Do you know the actor Matt Dillon? He's like one of the most famous people in the world when I was growing up. Matt Dillon. Matt Dillon seemed a little more uh, self-conscious. He wasn't completely happy about standing up, also because he's quite a tall man. How big is he? I mean, he's got to be nudging six foot at least, whereas Fisher Stevens is a little smaller but made himself um, more voluminous by waggling his arms around as enthusiastically as he was. Apparently, he's an amazingly nice guy. I was told by some friends afterwards, they went to the after show and they were like, you know who's the most cool guy I ever met? Fisher Stevens. Fisher Stevens. So nice. Yeah, but it turns out Fisher Stevens had fucked up your evening. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't totally fuck it, but he, he certainly made me quite angry for about three or four songs. <laughs> You've seen a, a, a rapper, she's called Cardi B. Mm-hmm. Someone's very offended that she did it, but somebody threw something at her whilst on stage, which is very confrontational. 
They threw a drink, I believe. Yeah, this is happening a lot recently, yeah. I've heard. Yeah. And her response was to dash the microphone at their head. Oh, yes. And I think that that person might have learned a lesson. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'll say about that. So, you know, if you have to fuck Fisher Stevens up. <laughs> I, and what I want you to know is if even if everyone's like, oh. I'm with you. You know who so. Fisher Stevens is? Because you referred to his character the last time in, in the podcast. I was listening to it this morning. He played the Indian guy in Short Circuit. Fisher Steve, that's the guy. That's the you guy. You should have fucking smacked him for me. <laughs> you should have said, by the way, brown face, bow. Sit down at the pop gig. <laughs> He's apologized for it, I think. No, bless him. No, of course. <laughs> Big old Fisher Stevens. And what I heard about that role was that originally it, the, the character was a white guy. And they decided, after they'd cast a white guy to play this part, they decided, you know, <laughs> we, should, we should get a bit of diversity. <laughs> no, 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 you know what? I'm going I'm, I'm to speculate. I'm going to speculate, okay? <laughs> I'm going to speculate that I don't know about who they were about the diversity, but I think, because we have to admit, it was a spectacular accent for the time. Yeah, yeah. It's very convincing. I mean, it's a likable character. He, yeah, he was just there at lunchtime. I don't know. And they said, fucking amazing. Fishery. <laughs> you want to do fish? Come on. Let's fucking do it for a whole movie, bro. Johnny's bleeding. Never forget. Fisher Stevens, if you listen to this podcast, you could have been bleeding because you were fucking with Adam Buxton. You had a... It would never come to that. He is supposedly a delightful person. Johnny's bleeding. <laughs> it's very... Because I was like, oh, who's this big brute of a human <laughs> fucking with your experience at the Pope gig? Johnny's bleeding. Johnny, Johnny's bleeding ruined your day. Just, what would he have done? What would he have done if you tapped him on the shoulder and said, that's enough of that Johnny's bleeding? He probably would have. <laughs> if I said it like that, I don't know. What? What did you say? <laughs> but I wouldn't be able to do the accent, you, you, would I? No, you, you would. <laughs> You got a pass from me if, bro, if Johnny's bleeding is <laughs> ruining your kick, you tap him on the shoulder and say, that's enough of that Johnny's bleeding. <laughs> and then someone else is going to overhear and tweet that I was doing an Indian accent. <laughs> oh my god what could have been books what could have been books <laughs> this is an advert for Squarespace every time I visit your website I see success yes success the way that you look at the world makes the world want to say yes it looks very professional I love browsing your videos and pics, and I don't want to stop. And I'd like to access your members area, and spend in your shop. 
these are the kinds of comments people will say about your website if you build it with Squarespace. Just visit squarespace.com slash Buxton for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, because you will want to launch, use the offer code BUXTON to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So put the smile of success on your face with Squarespace. Yes. Continue. Wouldn't you like to be a pepper too? Welcome back, podcasts. That was Guz Khan talking to me there, of course, and I'm very grateful to Guz for his time. Oh, Rosie, flappy birds. Don't patronize me. I apologize. In today's podcast description, there's a link to an article from Entertainment Weekly. Fisher Stevens regrets playing Indian role. There's a link to an interview from 2015 in which Fisher Stevens talks about having done the role at a very early point in his career when he was a struggling actor and talks about the fact that he did his best to play the role in good faith, did quite a lot of prep, went out to India for a while, worked with a dialect coach. I've also included a link to some of the commentary around that video of the person filming themselves at the Adele show and as well as a link to Guz's website where you can find his tour dates there's a link to one of his appearances on James Acaster's Perfect Sounds podcast which I really recommend in that episode they're talking about a music genre known as Ethiopian Crunch whoa there's also a link in today's description to The first time Guz appeared on this podcast, back in, when did we say? September 2019? Pre-pandy. Okay, I'm going to head back now and cycle to the station. I'm going to London. I've got a meeting about my book. I think my publishers want to know where the book is. It's fine. It's nearly there. It's nearly there. It's going to be great. Okay, thank you very much to Seamus Murphy Mitchell for his production support and conversation editing on this episode. Thanks to all at Decca. We used one of their little studios in King's Cross to record the episode and we're well looked after as ever. Thanks, guys. Thanks to Helen Green. She does the artwork for the podcast. Check her stuff out. There's a link in the description. It's brilliant. Thanks to all at Acast for all the hard work they put into helping me with sponsors and keeping the show on the road. Much appreciated. But thanks most especially to you for listening right to the end of the podcast. I hope you won't mind if I shuffle creepily towards you and give you a hug. All right, mate? Yeah. Good to see you. Hope everything's reasonable with you. Until next time, go carefully. Take care. I love you.